I want to introduce to you our friends, our friends, uh, Derek and Georgina Smith. Let me explain who they are a little bit. They're from Northern England, the Bolton area. They lead multiple churches, about five churches in that Northern um, UK. And we met them probably about 10 years ago or so. And we've done church with them and we've walked with them and they've walked with us. They are one of the five couples that Maria and I would say are one of our accountability couples. These are individuals that we trust to the point that we would reach out to them when we have need or make great decisions and change. They were one of the individuals we reached out to when we were deciding to lay down our church in Illinois and move into a journey of faith. Actually, the day we laid down our church, the last day we said goodbye to Illinois and to the church world there, just into an adventure where we didn't know where we were going or what, what, uh, how that journey would unfold, they actually brought us to their church in England and let us preach that next Sunday, which was a big deal because we didn't know what the journey was going to look like. And it was very scary. And God, will we ever minister again? Will we ever, you know, will we be able to flow in, in what you've called us to do? And for them to surround us and encourage us in that journey into God's will for our life, they were a huge blessing. Pastor Derek, when he comes to minister, he's a wonderful teacher. He's an, he inspires you. He's a team builder. That's why I'm excited for you to be with us on Saturday as he encourages you about teams He's wonderful in relationships, and I want us to always be a relational church, and he's great at being a long-term friend. And so I would love it if you would please welcome our friends. Our friend Derek will be speaking today. Would you please welcome them to Calvary? And Derek Smith, the platform is yours. We're so excited to have you with us today at Calvary. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, it's great to see you. I'm going to talk really slow because I'm English. <laughs> and uh, it's great to be in America. Uh, I love coming to America. It's my second favorite place to be on God's planet. Uh, behind England, you're a close second. And uh, so it's great to be here. I haven't been to Calvary before, but I've been watching it on online and uh, so I'm, I feel like I'm getting to know you already and uh, it's great. Let me say something about Kevin and Maria if, uh, if you don't mind for a moment. I've preached in over 40 countries and I've met thousands and thousands of pastors. I've met the good, the bad and the ugly. I've met the people that are laying down their life for the sheep and I've met the hirelings. I've met the crooks and I've met the real deal. And Calvary Orlando, let me tell you, you've got the real deal in Kevin and Maria. And uh, I would just encourage you to really love them and allow them to lead you. Allow them to lead you. That would be great. There's a lot of feedback on this stage. If we can just help me with that, that'll really help me preach better. Well, it's great to be here. I brought my wife with me and uh, she's called Georgina. Um, at the end of the service, we would love you to come and say hi to us. Um, you can make a queue there for all those that like me and make a queue there for all those that didn't like me. Okay, I'll be at this queue. Kevin and Maria can be at this queue. But it's great to be with you this morning. But we didn't come to Orlando to see Mickey Mouse. We came to Orlando to share the Word of God with you. I am that convinced that I carry the Word of God for this house. 
and for you as an individual um, that I have never been convinced of very few things other than that. that. I just feel something that God has been carrying in me for weeks and weeks and weeks that I just want to deposit this morning. I've known what I've been speaking about here for quite a while. And this is what I want to do before we even turn to the Word of God. I just want it to be like you're the only person in the room, that God shuts everybody else out And God brought this guy from the north of England, nine hours on a flight, 4,500 miles, eating food off Virgin Airlines, living at the airport because it was delayed, all this way because God loves you and God wants to speak to you and he can even use an Englishman. Um, I love being English. We used to rule the the world before you took over. And... uh, (laughs) But I'm just glad to be here today. So will you just pray with me for one moment? Father, I just pray that in this time I have together, I will use it wisely for the extension of your kingdom. I pray that you will just touch people's hearts and lives today. I pray that as I minister, you just remove the bits that are me and you just allow you to speak powerfully through this message. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. And uh, we are going to share the Word of God. We've got quite a few scriptures to jump up through this morning, but that's okay. We don't make any apologies for sharing scriptures. Before we read Isaiah 43, we're going to read verse 18 and 19. It should appear on the screen behind me a little later. I want to talk to you about what we're going to look at. We're going to look this morning on the subject that God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. And when we preach this, when we see it, I want you to ask yourself the question, what is that new thing in me and what is that new thing in us? So Isaiah chapter 43. Now the interesting thing about Isaiah, unlike many of the other prophets in the Old Testament, is Isaiah didn't prophesy to the nation when it was in crisis. You see, when somebody's in crisis, they want to hear what God says, right? When a nation's in crisis, when a family's in crisis, we all want to know what God's mean because we become desperate. But one of the interesting things is in this time in Israel, Israel were doing well. They were prosperous. Everything was going great. And it's one thing to want to hear God in the desperation of brokenness. But here the nation had to hear God in the abundance of blessing. So this is what Isaiah prophesied to a nation that were doing really good. He said this, verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah prophesied this. I am doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. But he premises that with this statement. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Oh, that's easy to say difficult to do. Do not dwell on the past. Yesterday, me and my lovely wife, Georgina, we went to the Kringles house. Woo! We went to the senior pastor's house. We walked through, past all the Lamborghinis. 
up the driveway, three and a half mile driveway, massive multi-million dollar, I'm joking, I'm joking. We went to the Kringles. And they were kind, they said, come in, and we sat down, and, 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 and the house is nice, and everything. then Kevin walked in, and he just flopped into his swivel chair, and he kicked his shoes off, and he was just swiveling. He, he owned the house. I was a visitor, but that was his dwelling. He was at home. And what Isaiah is saying to the nation is, don't kick your shoes off and make home in what God did, because if you do, you'll never be the kind of people when God says move, you go, because you are dwelling in the past. My pastor used to say to me years ago, hats off to the past, coats off to the future. In other words, we honor the past, but we work for the future. Calvary Orlando, this is awesome. You're awesome. What a great history of the church and everything that you've done. But let me tell you this, it's not enough. God's doing a new thing. Do not dwell. Don't make your home in what God did. Because if you make your home in what God did, you'll never be able to move when God starts to move. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. What's really interesting for me is that when we read Scripture, we always think that we would be the good guys when we read it. We think those Pharisees, those horrible people, and those Sadducees, and all the people when we read Scripture, and we think we would be the Jesus lovers when we read the Bible. So let's just journey that for a little minute. Okay, so the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant clauses, and for 400 years, God sends no prophets to the nation. There's no word of God, there's no voice of God. For 400 years, it's almost like God goes quiet on the human race. Israel, there's no prophecies, there's nobody doing anything, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's a rumbling about something that's happening out in the desert. And in Jerusalem, in the marketplaces, people start saying, have you heard? Heard what? There's this dude in the desert. Well, well who is he? I don't know. He's, I think he's called John. And he's doing weird things. What is he doing? He's putting people under the water. And just before they drown, he brings them up. <laughs> he's what? That sounds weird. And then it gets worse, and his dress sense. He's obviously from Texas. He drives in camel skins, and <laughs> he eats weird stuff. And all of a sudden, after 400 years of silence, there's all this weird stuff going around Jerusalem. There's somebody in the desert. There's somebody in the desert, and he's seeing things like repent. Because God is going to do something. And then when you ask him what God's going to do, he says this, I don't know because I'm just preparing the way. And this is happening. Now listen, follow me in this because this will help you. So, so John's baptizing. Now theologians reckon that John may have personally baptized 10,000 people in the Jordan. So he's there and he's baptizing people. That's a lot of people. Baptized, baptized baptized, baptized. And then one day John looks, looks up at the next person 
going to get into the water and we'll read it from John chapter 1 verse 29 where John then sees Jesus and Jesus is stood at the side as the next person to be baptised and John says this behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world that wasn't information that was revelation that John had recognized that he was, he was going to set this thing up for somebody. And even John says in that passage of scripture a little later, he says, he, uh, he was before me. In other words, John recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the new thing that God was going to do, that he was just there to set up the new thing that God was going to do after 400 years of silence. And the new thing that God was going to do was Jesus. Now, that's so far so good. This is where it gets complicated. God's doing a new thing. Why did God call it a thing? I mean, it's not complimentary, is it? You, you thing. How rude. There are so many things I love about America. The food, the people, the weather. In England, it rains, feels like every day. So we, there's loads of things. And one of the things I love about you Americans and I, is you're so entrepreneurial. You can make a business out of anything. You know why I think God called it a thing? Because too often, the church gives it a name too soon. Let me say this to you as, as kindly as I can. You have no idea what God is doing and that's okay. Because you only ever really understand God looking back. So you can look back now on things that God did five or six years ago and say, oh, I get it now. But in the middle of it, it just felt like chaos and turmoil and you were all screwed up and wondering where God was in it. But as you journey through stuff, you can look back. And you know what often we do? We want the thing that God is doing, we want to give it a name and a book and a series. We want to put it in a box and call it something neat. And God doesn't want to give it a name because what God is doing is not taught. It's got to be perceived. That's why Isaiah says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Listen, 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 listen. You will not understand it first. Understanding is so overrated. You've got to perceive it. It's got to be in your guts. When that day when John looked and saw Jesus at the side of the Jordan walking into the water, the next one to be baptized, he didn't say, ha ha, I've read about this in college. He had no parameters. He just looked at Jesus and in the eyes of Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. It's a thing. And you Americans, don't make a business out of it. Listen, we write books too soon. Now, there's a lot of people in this room, and I'm glad this morning, who are more senior in years. I didn't call you old. 
I said senior in years. That's good, that's good, that's really good. God's house is a family. We need senior people in church. Let me tell you, don't write your memoir too soon of what God's done through you, because it ain't over yet. Don't, don't write your memoir too soon. Listen, when I read my Bible, this is what I, when people in the Bible used age as a reason not to do what God wanted, he got them pregnant. <laughs> read your Bible. So don't you come this morning and say, I'm too old, Pastor Kevin, unless you're prepared to receive something unexpected. You see, because, because it's not an age thing that takes us. It's you can be in later years in your life, but be pregnant with what God is doing. It's not an age thing. You can be in kindergarten and, and ready for what God is doing. So this is not a message to the young. It's not a message to the teenagers. It's not a message to the Gen X, 20s, 30s. It's a message to everybody that has ears to hear. God is doing a new thing. Don't give it language. Never Listen, let me say this. Oh, I'm on one. Never trust anybody who always knows what God's doing. You meet those people, they're irritating, aren't they? Oh, God's doing this and God's doing... Listen, they haven't a clue. Pastor Kevin and Maria, would you do something for me? Would you just put your hands over your ears for a moment? <laughs> Let me tell you a secret about pastors. Even lead pastors. Most of the time, we stand here to declare the wonders of God. We haven't a clue what God's doing. And that's okay. Because you don't learn it, you perceive it. So please, you Americans, don't do a business too soon of what God's doing at Calvary. Just follow your guts. What is God saying? What is God doing? So let's get back to this passage where, behold the Lamb of God, because this gets really interesting right now. This is, this is so, this is so good. Behold the Lamb of God who comes away to take away the sin of the world. And then Jesus goes back on his journey and he's doing this with his disciples and John's still baptizing in the desert. And, and so they're kind of these two groups of people. So John has acknowledged Jesus is the Messiah because he was before me. He acknowledges him that he's the Lamb of God who comes away to take the sin of the world. And yet, and yet what happens is this, Jesus doesn't behave like John thinks he should behave. Let me read this to you, or it should appear on the screen. In Matthew chapter nine, verse 14, John sends his disciples to find out what Jesus is doing. So John's disciples are over here, look at me. John's disciples are over here talking about, and they're preaching repentance and kingdom of God. And John says to his disciples, what's Jesus doing? Uh, he's gone to a wedding. He's what? He's at a wedding. You mean I'm preaching the kingdom and Jesus has gone to a wedding? And so Jesus is at a wedding doing what Christians do at weddings, which is sit in the corner with a Diet Coke. No, no, Jesus wasn't sitting in the corner with a Diet Coke. This was a Jewish wedding. Jesus was dancing. Jesus was rejoicing. And John's in the desert saying, kingdom of God is here. You see, what John struggled with is what Jesus was doing. Because what God did will always struggle with what God is going to do. 
This got so bad, and I'd like to put this on the screen, we get to Matthew 11, verse 1 to 3, where this happens. John is in prison. It's basically going to cost him his life, what he's been preaching. And he sends his disciples over to Jesus' disciples to ask them this question. Put it on the screen, if you would, please. After Jesus finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in other towns of Galilee. Continue. When John, who was in prison, heard about these deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect somebody else? Whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. How do you get from, behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world to, are you the one or should we expect another? How do you get that? You know why? Because Jesus didn't behave like John thought he should behave. In other words, what God did, didn't recognize what God was doing. Welcome to church, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Christianity. We've had 2,000 years of what God did becoming a barrier to what God wants to do. So we've got to forget the former things. Do not make our home in the past because God is doing a new thing in your life. He's doing a new thing in Calvary. He's doing a new thing through this ministry. And you don't have to understand it, but you've got to perceive it. You've got to feel it deep within your guts that God is, God is doing something. That God, the Holy Spirit, is moving in a new way. That if we want something different, we may have to do something different. That if we want God to move across our nations, and I'm desperate for God to move in England. A big church in England is 100 people. And I'm desperate for God to do something. But I'm pretty confident what God is going to do isn't like what God's done. You see, if I'm being honest... Don't hate me. We'd have been just like John, wouldn't we? Ooh. That move of God can't look like that. Because we put it in the parameters of our thinking. Even Pastor Kevin this morning, which was a brilliant illustration, I loved church picnics. But what if the move of God is not a church picnic? No, I'm going to a church picnic next week. But what if God wants to do something in your life that he has never done before? What if he's setting you up that you'll never understand it, you've just got to perceive it? And at key moments in my life, ladies and gentlemen, I've had to follow my guts, not a book. I wish God led by, I wish God was sat nav. Turn left, turn right, stop, police. That, that would have been helpful, particularly in my early years. <laughs> Stop, left, right. No, 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 no. You, you've got to learn to walk this thing out your guts. And I sense as I spend time with Kevin and Maria, and I'm, I'm coming for your leaders and volunteers this week to get into them on this stuff, because we're all going to talk about 
God is doing a new thing. I'm sensing God is doing something new in them and I want to fan it into flame. Let's not give it language. Let's not make a book. Let's not make a class out of it. Let's just let God do what God wants to do because what God did is even John didn't get Jesus. Now, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, may I humbly suggest to you, if John if John the Baptist didn't recognize the new thing that God was doing, who do you think you are? Who am I? So you'll not understand it. Well, Pastor Kevin and Maria have changed something. We've never done that at Calvary. It can't be God. We've got, an Eng- we've, we've got that bad. We've got an Englishman speaking. Well, the Queen has sent me (laughs) to just check the colonies are doing okay. And you look like you're doing all right, okay. I'm reporting back to the Queen that the colonies, because we didn't think you'd do good without us and you'd done good. God is doing a new thing. You know what the season we're in? We're in the season of it springing up. So understanding will be overrated in this season. You've got to perceive it. It will not be communicated to your intellect. It will not be communicated to the fact that you've got qualifications. It will be embraced in our inner being by our guts. Can you perceive it? So Calvary... <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts because this is going to be a ride a lot worse than any at Disney. You got to fasten your seatbelts and hold on because let me declare over you collectively and let me declare over you individually. You on the back row, you to my left, you to my right, every single one of you, God is doing a new thing. I don't care what he's done before, this is a new thing. Will you not perceive it? We've got to realise that as Pentecostals, we are too good at giving it a name, a box, trying to, trying to manage it, trying to restrict it. And I think all we've got to do is let God be God and let God lead us and let God show us. And we want to be people that not just say like John did in Revelation, because you know, sometimes God speaks to us in Revelation, behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away to take the sin of the world. And then in our soul, we've got to follow him. And that's what the disciples did. They, they, they recognized Jesus, who he was in Revelation. That's why we've got to live out of Revelation and perception and not out of... Listen, let me say this dead simply. You're not going to like everything that God's going to do. Guaranteed. But listen, God didn't put you in charge. So chill out. You're not going to like everything. Some stuff's not going to be your thing. And we've got to be careful what we don't do is attach the Spirit of God and lock the Spirit of God into a moment with God. So, you know, if we're not singing hymns, the Spirit's not moving. But equally, we don't want to go the other way if we're not singing songs that were only wrote last night, that were not contemporary. No, we've got to sense God, whether it's a hymn, whether it's a, a, 
something classic. We've got to sense what God is doing in our lives and in our family. So this gets to the exciting bit, because that's all introduction. Could you put that thing on the screen for me? That picture. These guys have worked so hard to help me, so. That's my granddaughter. Now, now, she's not even got a name yet. So we'll just call her Thingy. We'll call her Thingy. That's my granddaughter. And around November time this year, Thingy is going to go on a journey. Thingy, keep that up if you would please. Thingy, I've never met her. I'm already in love with her. When we went to Disney the other day, I bought her a mini mouse. Our home is being changed as my wife buys every store that she walks past of children's clothes. Our lives are being changed in preparation for Thingy. The thing is about Thingy, they have no clue the world that's being created for them. So in November time this year, now I'm not an expert on childbirth, but my wife has had two children and uh, I was kind of involved, not at the birth bit, I was trying to not be him too much, but you know what I mean? So Thingy in about November is going to be brought forth into the world and it will be the happiest day of my life, I am sure. But let me tell you what journey my granddaughter is going to go on. My daughter in November this year will probably ring us saying, Mom, Dad, my waters are broke. And little thingy who lives in a perfect world, who doesn't know about this world, she has no idea what is beyond the journey that she's about to go on. Little thingy, as waters break, her world is going to start to shrink. And this baby is going to go into trauma. As this baby is brought forth and life is birthed. Now nobody's told her, listen, listen thingy, this is going to happen, don't worry. You're going to go down this road, this route, but don't worry, at the other side is grandma and granddad, it's mum and dad, everything's prepared for you, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be brilliant at the other side, but for now, it may look like a little bit like trauma. Nobody's told her. She has no idea how much love I have already for her. We are just waiting at the other side. Do you know when God is doing a new thing? It's often birthed in trauma. Now, anybody's clapping trauma, you need counselling. Because <laughs> I don't like trauma. I like peace. I like it easy. If, if men had children, every family in the world would just have one. 
Because I've seen the trauma, right? I've seen this isn't pretty sometimes, but I've seen the blessing that comes beyond this. So that little girl is one day going to be in my arms. And she has no idea the world waiting at the other side of trauma. Let me, let me say to you, Joseph, he had a bit of trauma in the Old Testament, didn't he? He's 17 in the youth group. God starts to speak to him. He's a bit of a big mouth because he's 17, everybody's a big mouth. And he's, he's sharing and all his brothers thinking, no, 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 no. 37 years later, he stands. We know the story. Genesis 39 and 45, where he stands before his brothers. He's the second most powerful man in Egypt. And he looks back on all the trauma that he's lived through. And he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And God took, took a, rape, a potential convicted rapist that was innocent to the second most powerful man in Egypt. Because God births things in trauma. I wish I could say there will be no bloodshed. There'll be no fallouts. Everybody will be happy and we'll just sing happy songs while God does it. But let me tell you this, trauma is not like that. You know the new thing that's in you? You know how you're going to birth it? It's going to feel like trauma. But just keep going. Just keep going. Don't park up on the trauma and make, make your memoir about the trauma because at the other side of trauma is a kingdom. At the other side of what you need to go through, there's something absolutely beautiful for this church and for you. So that little baby, that little girl, one day will be in my arms, but she's got to go through some trauma. And probably a mum's got to go through some trauma in order for what God wants to bring forth to be born. God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? He's going to make a, a way in the wasteland. God is going to do something so good so good and you know what you got to do is not try and understand it not try and work it out just get to the point just get to the point where I'm just ready to perceive this I'm just going to let God speak to my guts I'm just going to be prepared for this next season to take some things on revelation I don't need to understand everything I don't need to get my head around everything I'm just going to trust you God 17 years ago me and Georgina started a church we came out of a church previously to that where I've been for 22 years and uh, it was messy. It was messy, as stuff gets in church. And I can remember feeling very broken in my spirit, feeling very betrayed, feeling absolutely lost my job, my ministry, everything 17 years ago and sitting in the front room of our house thinking, how are we going to pay the mortgage? I have no job. How are we going to get the kids? All the kind of stuff, two young kids, and thinking as we looked at each other in the eyes and thought, we're just going to have to trust God for this next season. And 17 years later, wow. Wow, we look back on God planting six campuses, God doing things with hundreds and thousands of people, God doing so much stuff through that we didn't know because God didn't tell us then. We just had to trust him. We just had to trust him. You know, like that little baby in the womb, when, when, when they think, hey, my world's perfect, my world's perfect. And Isaiah was prophesying to a nation that life was perfect. 
Life was perfect for Israel at this season of Isaiah 43. Life was good, and yet the prophecy was this. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. A new thing. And you've got to perceive it. A few chapters later, let's just flick over to Isaiah 48, and then we'll start to come into a land. Isaiah chapter 48, reading from verse 6. This is what Isaiah said a little later. It should appear on the screen. You have heard these things. Look at them. Will you not admit them? From now on, I will tell you of new things, of hidden things unknown to you. They are created now and not long ago. You have not heard of them before today, so you cannot say, yes, I know of them. You have neither heard nor understood from of your ear has not yet been opened. What, an, what a powerful passage of scripture where Isaiah says this, these things that I'm doing are new, so quit talking like you know what I'm talking about. You have no idea. So I'm going to lead my people through their guts. A few years ago, um, through an organization we support at King's called Compassion, I got to go to Kenya um, to see some of our Compassion children. And um, it was great. I loved traveling. And we went to Kenya with a small team from our church. And uh, we went to our Compassion children, and it was great to see, and we played with them and did some great fun with them. And then um, at the end of the trip, we had a day extra. And I said to one of the people that were leading the trip, um, we've got a day in Kenya. It would be rude to not go on safari. So they said, do you want to do it? I said, well, I want to go on a safari. I'm from the north of England. We don't have any wild animals. It's kind of dead safe. I want to go on a safari. I want to see some big animals. And so they booked the safari for the next day. Now, they said to us, to see all the, you know, the, the big animals, you've got to get up early because they, they only kind of get out kind of morning and then late evening and we hadn't got time to be late evening. So we had to get up early. So I got up, put my shorts on, my t-shirt on, my shades, my baseball cap backwards, sunscreen on because I'm a white boy from England and the sun's shining and I'm, I'm, I'm ready. We got into like an open top minibus and we arrived at this safari place and it was like driving into Jurassic Park. And we drove in and about 20 minutes in, the guy was driving, said, look over there and we saw a lion. And I'm like, wow. A lion. Everybody's taking photographs and it's brilliant. And then we saw a giraffe. Wow. And then we saw a rhino. And then we started to see all these incredible animals and it was great. But the road we were going down was like, it wasn't like a motorway. It was, it was, it was just wild. And so we were bouncing up and down in this rickety minibus and everywhere was dust and I had sunscreen on so all the dust was stuck to my face. I was wiping the dust out of my eyes and, and this went on for hours and hours and hours. After about four hours people said, there's a giraffe over there and I'm going, yeah, whatever. Because <laughs> I'm tired. I'm dirty. I'm sticky, I'm sweaty. I've been on this road far too long. And then after about six hours, we came up to this safari lodge. 
And we drove through the gates and we pulled up the minibus door opened and I was sticky and horrible. And there was a Maasai warrior stood there. And he had a towel and he wiped my face with a warm towel. And then I kicked my sliders off and he wiped my feet. And then he took us by the hand and he walked us into the safari lodge. And there was this absolute fabulous banquet of so many beautiful foods. And we sat outside overlooking that looked like Jurassic Park. All this massive Kenyan nature reserve with all these animals. And I'm sat there thinking, whoa. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I'm telling you, this is what God said. And you're going to have to hold on to this because it might get a little rough. There's some really nice places at the end of some difficult roads. I'm saying it over your life right now. There's some really good places at the end of some difficult roads. I'm saying it over Kevin and Maria. There's some really good places at the end of some difficult roads. God is doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? He's making a way in the wasteland. Let's not put words to it. You know, the only thing we can give to that truth today is this, the only thing we can give, and I'm going to make an appeal why? Because I'm English and I can do the only thing we can do sometimes is give God our obedience the appeal this morning is not if you've worked it all out and you've got it come forward that's not the appeal if you think you've worked it out you're probably part of the problem. Because I meet Christians, they're not in, not in America, but in other countries, and they've got God figured out. And I'm saying, well, you're a better leader than I am because I've not got a clue most days what he's doing. I'm just living this by obedience. I don't know, but God's doing a new thing. So this is going to be my prayer. I'm, Josue, if you can join me, help me, and some of the band. I'm just going to, in a few moments, I'm going to open. This is not an altar. This is a bit of carpet at the front of a sanctuary. The altar, the only altar in the New Testament is the one in your heart. I have no more access to God than you have. And I'm just an Englishman here because I've got good friends saying to this wonderful group of people, God's not done. But you're going to have to forget the former things and not dwell, not live in the past because God's doing a new thing and you've got to get with the program. Not understand it, but you've got to perceive it. And you've got to realize that what God will do next in every one of you could be traumatic. But God's promise to you is at the end of the trauma is the promise.
And you may not understand lots of things. And okay, we've already established that. John the Baptist didn't understand Jesus. Why? Because he didn't behave how he wanted him to behave. And there's lots of things in what God's going to do in this next season of your journey, Calvary, that you're not going to fully understand. And that's okay. Because this is on a need-to-know basis. And right now, you don't need to know. God's not asking for your wisdom. He's not even asking for your gift. He's not asking for your expertise. He's not asking for your strategy. He's asking for your obedience. Because everything starts with obedience. I remember I once got asked to go to a Bible college. This is before lockdown. And they sat me at the front of all the students. And all the students were asking questions. And one of the questions, what they asked me was this. Pastor Derek, how did you get called into ministry? And I just said, I haven't. And this is like a, <gasps> you've not been to Bible college? No, you're probably realizing that about now. You've not been called? Well, if you're looking for a burning bush, or Jesus river dancing on my duvet telling me what to do. I ain't had that. You know, my, my testimony is this. I've just kept saying, yeah. So when I was 19, and I first became a Christian and went to the youth group and said, will you do the tuck shop? I said, yeah. When the assistant pastor said, will you stay late after church to put the chairs away? I said, yeah. When they said, will you do a year out? and serve the church and I said yeah at the end of those three years because it ended up being three years somebody said will you come to our church I've just, I've just kept saying yeah my testimony is this I'm just keep saying yeah I'm just going to keep saying yeah and I'm not saying yes to silly things but my, my walk with God is this you know, the, you know the traffic lights where you know red is stop green is go for me my walk with God is God, everything's green. So I'm going to try everything, God, unless you say no. So God, you've got to make it really clear to me. Because I haven't got time to pray about, you know, what should we have for breakfast? What should we do this? No, 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 no. Let's just go. Obedience. So this is my altar call this morning is this. And we ain't got too long. We're just going to fill this bit of carpet with anybody in the room that God has spoke to this morning. And you're saying in the context of this family and in the context of you as an individual, that deep within you, God is doing a new thing and you sense it. You don't even know what it is. You're frightened to even tell your friends because you have no language for it. But as this gentleman assured, the carpet's open. And I'm going to pray for you. So we've got a couple of minutes. So if God is doing a new thing, and, you, and, and by coming down, what you're saying is, I'm recognising it's a new thing, but I have no words for it. I've no language. I've not even got any understanding. I'm just sensing. I'm God. I'm, I'm just saying yes in pure, blind obedience. I don't know what this means, God. I have no understanding of what this will look like in a week, a month, a year. But God, I'm just saying, I'm here. God, all I've got is me. So if God is doing a new thing, come right at the front. 
Come right in the front, I want to see you because you're awesome. You're part of God's family. You're part of God's purpose. Because God is doing a new thing. Don't try and work it out. Don't try and, don't even try and think about it now. Don't try and strategize. Don't try and be American and do a business deal. Don't negotiate the terms with God. Just come and say, God, you can have me. I can only give you one thing, God, and so I'm giving you me because God is doing a new thing in Calvary and God is doing a new thing in me. God is doing a new thing. Come on, keep pushing forward. Church, come stand right near the front. You can kneel, you can do whatever you want to do. We just want people to feel like we're in the presence of God. We're in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. It's a new thing. It's a new thing. It's a new thing. Surabakaka. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just, just keep your eyes closed. This is between you and God. I don't want to get in the way and I don't want to sow seed because this is between you and God. Nobody tells you what it looks like. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving something. Like I'm going to give you something. If I gave you a gift, your hands would come out to receive it. God, thank you for these awesome people because we deeply sense in Calvary, God, you're doing a new thing. And though it springs up, we, we don't understand it, God. We just perceive it. It's something deep. It's something deep within us. We haven't got a language for it, God. We haven't got a language for it, God. We haven't got a language. God, keep us from rushing this. Keep us from trying to do it in our own strength. God, keep us from just recreating the past. God, you are doing a new thing in our lives. A new thing in our lives. I, I'm just sensing, church, particularly for people 
over 70. God is doing a new thing. You are not done. This is not over. Do not write your memoir because God can do more in the next twinkling of an eyelid than you've done in human effort in 70 years. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Touch these wonderful people, my God. God, may their mind and their rationale not rob them of revelation right now. God, may we not have a strategy. May we have a journey. God, we're saying yes to you this morning. God, we're saying yes, and we don't even know what we're saying yes to. We're saying yes to you, God. Whatever it means, God, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just keeping this attitude of worship, but I want you to look at me for a minute. I just want, to, I just want Kevin and Maria, I just want you to come here. I just want to prophesy over you. Feel as I've been preaching, I've got a word for you. This is a bit of a countercultural word. By that I mean it's not it's not a word that fits in sometimes our, our rationale. <laughs> the night when Jesus was betrayed, he had a conversation with Judas. And in the midst of the confusion of the disciples thinking, what on earth is Jesus doing? He takes us to this restaurant in this upper room and then he, he's leaving, he's going. He, what is happening? And then Jesus says this to Judas. After Judas has kissed him. Judas, what you are about to do, do quickly. And I've just been caught up this morning in this thought. If, if Satan can move quickly, so can God. If sin can move quickly, so can grace. Because whatever sin can do, God can do better. And answer what I'm prophesying over you. What God's put in your heart, do it quickly. There's a grace on you for speed. These wonderful people here haven't got time for you to make this a 20 year project. You've got to move quickly. And the grace of God will cover you. And even people around you are going to start saying, slow down, Kevin. Take your time. Church is a very slow burner. You've got to work. And there's, a, going to be, there's grace It's on you now for speed. And I'm... On behalf of God, and we've got to weigh this, you've got to weigh it, because men are fallible. I'm saying to you, because whatever's in your heart, do it quickly. Do it quickly. Because the lost 
haven't got time for us to get our programs together. They haven't got time for us to write a book. They haven't got time. Do it quickly. Now, I know Kevin and that's not his nature. And so let me say to all the people here, you've got to give him permission to do this quickly. Even when, even when you're the person he's doing it to. So don't go, hey, do it quickly, Pastor Kevin. And then in two weeks you say, whoa, slow down. No, no. What is in your heart? The Kringles. God's brought you here, do it quickly. Because the grace of God is on you to cover. And if Judas, what is in your heart, Judas, do it quickly. How much more can grace and the blessing of God abound? Stretch your hand out to your senior pastors. Thank you, God. Father, we thank you for this moment, this time, this place, these two wonderful people that you have called to lead in this moment. Father, I pray that what you've put in their hearts, they will do it quickly. That God, we won't give it a name, we will just go with our guts. And I pray for this church, for Calvary Orlando. God, that we will give them permission we will give them permission to move quickly in order to see the kingdom of heaven be done in this part of the vineyard as it is in heaven. So thank you, God, for this wonderful couple. Thank you for this man and woman of God that you have fashioned in obscurity, that have paid the price when nobody was watching. But thank you for such a time as this, that it's time, it's time, what is in your heart, do it quickly. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Final thing. Final thing, because my time's gone. Thank you so much for letting me come and minister to you this morning. I appreciate you. Thank you for your willingness and your openness to God. And I'm just excited for your future. God's going to do some great things I don't even know what it is but I'm excited just like I'm excited that that little baby in November will come into reality in your future in your future it's coming but you might have to fasten your seatbelt because there might be some turbulence on this next season of journey but God is with you for those we're here Wednesday, see you Wednesday for those that are part of the volunteer force. Even if you're not a volunteer, just gate crash on Saturday. We'll have a great time. Thank you very much for allowing me to minister this morning. Amen. Did you enjoy that? Would you just give a appreciation? Thank you, Pastor Derek. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call our altar teams to the front. So you're dismissed back to your seats. Altar teams, why don't you get ready in case there's individuals that need some time of prayer and ministry together. We want to continue to invite you to the Saturday team experience, get you on a team, get you connected to the body, get you serving. Remember, next Sunday is our church picnic. We are excited about that. Bring somebody with you, bring some food, and we're going to make sure that we're not just church services, but we're a community. Let's go ahead and stand together wherever you are. Let's say a word of prayer as we dismiss today. And then God bless you. If today you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to do that. 
you never know when someone's ready to say yes to Jesus. Amen? This is why we do what we do. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just saved from sin, but saved into the family of God. If today you are ready to give your life to Jesus or to recommit your life to Jesus, perhaps, we want to make sure we give you an opportunity to do that. Would everyone just bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute? If today that's you and you say, Pastor Kevin, I am ready to give my life to Jesus for the first time or to recommit my life to Jesus, I'm ready. I just want you to raise your hand right where you are. Would you please raise your hand? We're going to say a prayer for you today right where you are. We do not want you to leave this place out of relationship with God. Is there anyone today? There's one, two hands right there. Thank you very much. God bless you both. Anyone else today that say, I am just ready to commit my life to Jesus? All right, let's all pray together, would you please? Pray this prayer with us. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. You are now my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those two that raised their hands today and even more that may be online? God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.